Hi everyone, and welcome to another episode of Crimopedia. Before we get started today, I wanted to let you all know that this episode contains details of pretty intense child abuse. I was lucky enough to interview a family member of the victim, and so I'm excited to debut this episode to you, hopefully to raise awareness to the issue at hand. But if this topic is too much for you, I don't think anyone can blame you for that. So feel free to click off, and I will see you here for the next episode. But with that, let's get into it. In April of 2021, then-two-year-old Blake Sampson was beaten within an inch of his life by his stepfather, 29-year-old Charles Brooks Jr. While publishing my On the Coattails series, I was reached out to by someone named Tanya. Tanya is a family friend of the Sampsons. She sent me to the Instagram page of someone named Carmen. My name is Carmen Sampson. Uh, I am Blake Sampson's nanny. Uh, Blake's dad, Stephen, is my stepson. So um, we got to keep Blake a whole lot and get to go see him whenever we can right now. So, After being attacked by Charles Brooks Jr., Blake has spent the last year in and out of hospitals. Most recently, he was transferred to a rehabilitation center. And that's what Carmen means when she says that the family can go see him whenever they can. In the last year, Blake has only been home a handful of times, and every single time it happens, including relatively recently, he's had to go straight back to hospital. Before Carmen and I started talking about exactly what happened to Blake and what she wants to come out of raising awareness for this situation, I had one question in mind for her, something I've been wondering about given everything their family has been through in the last year. So I guess my first question is kind of open-ended. I just want to know how you guys are all doing. How has the last year, I guess, been for all of you? The best way I can explain that it has been an absolute emotional roller coaster. Um, We'll get good news and we'll kind of be on a a high for a little bit and then we'll get some not so good news and we have to try to lift each other up because, I mean, he's our world. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's really been hard. You can't go through something like this, but our main focus is him and how he's doing, of course. Their entire family has rallied together over the last year to support Blake and to support each other. They are incredibly strong people. Through their faith, they've been able to work their way and navigate through this last year, helping Blake through his recovery. And clearly, loving and supporting Blake is their number one priority. When I asked Carmen what kind of kid Blake was before and after everything happened to him, this is what she had to say. When, you know the expression, he's all boy, that absolutely described how Blake was. Um, He kind of got what he wanted from us. I mean, being grandparents, you have that privilege. So he had his, his little battery-operated Jeep with the iPod and the, the flashing lights. Um, he loved to ride that. He would get so upset when he'd have to come inside. Um, he was all about cars, trains, monster trucks. Um, just, I mean, like all boy, loved to flirt with the ladies, go places. Um, 
he just wanted to go and just do things and just happy waved everybody tell everybody hi just absolute pleasure um a really good kid and not me being biased like really just a good amazing kid kind of like a social butterfly almost big personality (laughs) that definitely describes him (laughs) (laughs) that's so sweet Blake was two years old when he was attacked. On October 10th, he turned three. Obviously, children are still developing their personalities during this time, and so I wanted to know, in Carmen's opinion, what about Blake and his personality changed after he was attacked by Charles Brooks Jr.? Since, since that happened, he's, he's still on life support. It, it's been a year. He, still, he has a trach, um, and the ventilator is still hooked up, Every once in a while, he'll get to what they call sprint off the ventilator, where um, they can, you know, have the vent unhooked or turn the air off, and he tries to breathe on his own. Um, sometimes, you know, usually like 30 minutes at a time, but he he gets so many infections that he cannot control his secretion. So that doesn't happen very often where he's able to sprint off of the ventilator. Um, he has a urostomy where, um, it did go through his reproductive organ um, and that did not go very well. So unfortunately they did have to go through a stoma. Um, and then he does have the GI, the, the feeding tube that, that he, so basically all of his basic functioning. But clearly when the family thinks about Blake, they think about his physical recovery. They think about his injuries. They think about everything they've been through in the last year and everything they've seen. Although Carmen did tell me that he is a favorite among the nurses in the wards he's been into, he still hasn't had an opportunity to be a child yet. And unfortunately, according to many doctors who have worked his case, he may never get that opportunity. Blake's mom and his dad, Stephen, who is Carmen's stepson, were separated at the time of this incident. In fact, Blake's mom, in January of 2021, had just gotten married to Charles Brooks Jr. She was very busy. She was always working. She worked in a hospital as sort of an administrative clerk. And I'm not entirely sure what Charles Brooks Jr. did for a living. But on April 22nd, she had come home from work and would eventually walk into a scene that looked like a bloody massacre. Her then two-year-old son, Blake, was found in terrible condition. Dallas police were called almost right away, and when Blake got to hospital, he had to be treated for a severe brain bleed with swelling and bruising, as well as bite marks. He was placed into a medically induced coma and had injuries to critical parts of his brain, the medulla, the brainstem, in various parts of his cerebral cortex. Blake also had drag marks on his chin that might have looked like carpet burn. According to doctors, it was pretty clear when Blake arrived that these were all signs of abuse. But Charles Brooks Jr. claimed that it was a freak accident and that Blake simply fell down the stairs and sustained all of these injuries. For some unknown reason that day, Charles Brooks Jr. took two-year-old Blake in his vehicle and drove him to a secondary residence he owned in Dallas. Nobody's quite sure exactly why he did this, but some people speculate he drove Blake to this house with much more sinister intentions given the nature of Blake's injuries and the fact that 
Carmen says he was only 10 minutes away from death by the time he arrived in hospital. Yeah, he, Charles took him um, to Dallas. I don't know why. He said that they were going to go visit his nanny. That, that was a lie. There's no nanny. She checked with the family. I don't have a clue why he brought him. I mean, obviously, it looks like he had some ulterior motives. Thankfully, Blake was able to get to hospital in time. Doctors were able to save his life. It was certainly challenging, but it wasn't after hours of intense brutalization by Charles Brooks Jr. Okay, so this is, of course, the best to my knowledge um, of everything that happened based on the reports, what I what I visually saw. Um, so Charles Brooks Jr. started out at Atlanta and drove Blake from Atlanta a few hours away to Dallas where he, he, okay, so he has a home in Atlanta and a home in Dallas. He had a duplex on um, Brentwood Cove Circle. He's no longer there, but that's where the abuse took place. Um, I know on the car ride, there was some abuse, but the majority did take place at that duplex in Dallas. Um, he, I know that he, most of it was this motion right here, just beating right here because of the way that the brain kind of rattled and where the abuse is. Carmen is telling me this as she's motioning as if someone is punching her in her right temple. Um, I, I'm not positive. It looked like pinch marks. His ear, it was completely purple. Um, there was lacerations all in his brain just from getting, just beat down. He bit him a couple places. I mean, this poor baby was covered in bruises. There was there was even some old grab marks that were on his rib area and on his leg. Um, so I don't know why those were there, um, but most of the abuse, you know, all occurred from that night. As Carmen is recounting to me the details of Blake's injuries, I couldn't help but wonder, was this an isolated incident of Charles beating on Blake, or had this happened before? Seeing those bruises, of course, made me kind of wonder what was going on. Um, his mom told us that Charles didn't let him come see us, and it was for two months. I didn't see my grandbaby for two months. So I, I, I of course, would not have let him leave my house if I'd had seen any bruising or anything of that nature wouldn't have happened <laughs> you, mean, you have to wonder why like for those two months you weren't allowed to see him right you have to wonder like what was going on that you guys weren't allowed to be aware of yeah and and so I mean I can only imagine what Blake went through that night because it seemed like and he had him for a while because Blake's mom went to work and then went and took a nap and all that because she was working very late Mm -hmm. And so he had plenty of time to do as he pleased. Um, mm -hmm. He even like he even had drag marks right here, just bruising, like look like carpet burn. I mean, like it, his face was covered in bruise. He's just he was just covered. And I don't understand how anyone could do that to a child, how this mm -hmm. child could have made anybody angry, but how he could have been so angry. Everything happened April the 22nd of last year um and then we got the call friday morning and they took him to medical city dallas because he was not stable enough he actually they said he was 10 minutes away from death 
Carmen told me that the day this happened, it was only one day prior to when she was supposed to take Blake for the weekend and watch him, and she can't help but feel a little bit guilty about that. So this happened on a Thursday night. I was supposed to get him Friday night and keep him for the weekend, and I was so excited because, you know, it, it had been a little bit. I got to keep him um, for the honeymoon, and that was the first time that I'd gotten to keep him uh, since, you know, they'd gotten married and they'd been dating and all that. It had been, like I said, a couple months. Kept him for the honeymoon, and then I was keeping him the second time for the weekend. Geared up to do that, and then, of course, that happened, and I couldn't help but feel a little bit guilty because I kept thinking like if I would have just had him like I was supposed to, this wouldn't happen. But in reality, being as evil as, as Charles is, it, he would have done it another time. So yeah, Carmen, that is not your fault. Not at all. Oh my gosh. And I hate to see families blame themselves for stuff like this. This is the, the action of one particularly evil person. And all of you guys are like angels surrounding each other and surrounding Blake. Seriously. Thank you. Given how obvious it was to doctors that what happened to Blake was not an accident, an arrest warrant was issued for Charles Brooks Jr. on April 30th, and he was arrested a few days later on Monday, May 3rd. However, his bond was set at $250,000, and because Charles Brooks Jr. seems to come from old money, he was able to make that bond within 24 hours and walked. The night that he was arrested, um, he was out in less than 24 hours, bonded out. Um, and then he, a little while later, he was rearrested while on bond for aggravated robbery. And so to me, I'm like, okay, if you're out on bond, you're you and you get rearrested you you forfeit all bond you have to sit there that did not happen after this arrest for aggravated robbery charles brooks jr was given bond at fifty thousand dollars and again he was able to make that so he got out again he was in there maybe two and a half weeks This whole situation was understandably frustrating for the Sampson family. Not only was Charles Brooks Jr. allowed to beat two-year-old Blake Sampson within an inch of his life and walk free on bond, but it turned out that Charles Brooks Jr. was actually a serial offender, one who had never been properly prosecuted, one who had never served the proper amount of time for any sort of domestic abuse charges one who has an incredibly violent history, leaving behind a trail of several victims. We've had people reach out to us telling their stories about what has happened to them. He's served a couple years for um, um, someone that he had abused very badly and was hospitalized. Um, But it seems like that's the only time he did serve. He has all kinds of other charges, so. To make matters even worse, when Charles was able to make his $50,000 bond for the aggravated robbery charge, he was only sent home with an ankle monitor to quote-unquote keep him in the area. I'm not sure what police were thinking. Clearly, this guy is a serial offender. 
and the ankle monitor certainly proved to not be an obstacle for Charles Brooks Jr., as once he found out there was a second arrest warrant placed on him for what he did to Blake Sampson, he just simply cut it off and made a run for it. I saw something about how he had had an ankle monitor on when he posted Bond and he just cut that off and, and left. And then that's kind of how he got away. Yes, that's that was a joke. Um, how you could do the things you've done and have an ankle monitor. I mean, that that's a slap on the wrist. So he was at an undisclosed to me location. Um, and that ankle monitor was not even for Blake. He hasn't even had his trial for Blake yet. Everything's been pushed back because of COVID in Dallas County, where the arrest happened with Blake. This other charge um, was also in Dallas Can County, the, the robbery. And so the ankle monitor was actually for that. So Blake is represented by a Houston lawyer um, named Tony Busby, who is very, very, very um, well known for getting business done. <laughs> um, so I'm very thankful that he has stepped up to help represent Blake because, I mean, he needs it. <laughs> Seems like he's been kind of, hasn't had any kind of justice thus far. Mm -hmm. So his lawyer was like, wait a minute, you guys let him out and no one can yeah let's get a warrant out this is not this is not okay so so um the warrant is out charles catches wind cuts his ankle monitor and he leaves went on the run people were i mean there were all kinds of people looking for him everywhere in uh, sherman dallas atlanta texarkana all the surrounding areas everybody was on the lookout and the funny thing is um he of course got arrested finally March the 13th after basically being on the run for a year right so he finally was arrested at a bar and he'd been going there all week and had told the staff there that he was there on a business trip so there's a video of him getting arrested and it's wonderful <laughs> <laughs> I mean it gave us just a tiny bit of peace not that nothing nothing will ever fix what what was done to him nothing could ever fix that but at least he's not out there to hurt somebody else. He has, he has a record of hurting people. Thankfully now, Charles Brooks Jr. is incarcerated, not just regarding charges about what he did to Blake, but also the robbery as well as a firearms charge in Hopkins County. The maximum sentence for his charges are up to 99 years in prison and a $10,000 fine. Given that Charles Brooks Jr. changed Blake's life for the foreseeable future, as doctors say he'll need 24 hours support for life, I don't think any amount of time in prison will ever be enough. Like Carmen said, the trial proceedings have been pushed back because of COVID. However, both of us are looking forward to updating you all with some good news, hopefully, once all of that is over and we can finally see some justice for Blake. Justice for Blake has been the tagline or the slogan of the Sampson family's campaign, trying to do exactly that, get justice for their beloved baby boy. And they've been doing that through continued advocacy work ever since the very day that this all happened to Blake Sampson. But the reason I really wanted to tell this story to you all today is because the Sampson family is trying to enact something called Blake's Law. So for Blake's Law, um, our neighbor Lisa Downs started that and 
It's basically to ensure that when you hurt a child to the degree that Blake was hurt, you do not need bond. That is not okay. Um, and so far the laws have not changed, but if Blake's law were to pass, when you injure a child to this extent, you would not be able to go out and about to do that to another child. Mm-hmm. How far has that law been taken up through, I guess, the legal system? Well, we're still waiting on all of the signatures on the petition. It's on gopetition.com. Uh, and of course, like you said, it's called Blake's Law. So we're still kind of waiting for all of the signatures um, to go through. And then, I mean, she said she's willing to take it as high up as she needs to take it. So, but you know, people, people elect who is in the office mm-hmm. and then whoever is in office, they can kind of, you know, judges, it's their call. Once you get into their courtroom, that's their call. So, I mean, they, they have a lot of the power. So recently, um, after Charles, of course, was in custody, there was a lot of people reaching out, like, do not let him out. Lots of lots of people reaching out. <laughs> like Carmen said, on gopetition.com, you'll find something called Blake's Law. And if you sign it, you'll be helping to ensure that child abusers like Charles Brooks Jr. cannot just pay their way out of jail and pay their way out of the consequences of their actions like he has done so many times. I'll make sure that the link for that petition is in my bio on Instagram at crimopediapod, and you should also be able to find it on my website at crimopediapod.ca. I asked Carmen how Blake was doing now. She told me that he was moved to a rehabilitation center, that family is visiting with him as much as they possibly can, and that they're seeing great progress with him. And so yesterday, he just got moved to the rehabilitation center in Houston. But the process of getting Blake out of hospital certainly did not come without challenges. Um, and he's been in the hospital um, for for over a year. He got to go home for just a little bit. Um, and he he decided where his oxygen just dropped and he was really struggling to, to breathe. Um, of course, you know, the heart rate started slowing down and the, his mom had to bag him until the ambulance got there and once the ambulance got there they took him to the hospital his face turned purple um, we were very 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 scared um so he's just been in the hospital ever since that was back in september by the way and you know this is april the last call we had a zoom family meeting um, before he was transported just a couple weeks ago um and it was a very hard call his parents were asking questions. His aunt was asking questions. Um, He is having seizures and we're trying to keep those under control. Um, But they said with really intense rehabilitation, um, their expectations, of course, they don't have the final say, but their expectations would be him lifting a finger on command. Didn't want to hear that. Um, I'm not that I'm being unrealistic, but I, I, I love him. We all love him. And we, we, I mean, we want him back the way that he was. He was perfect. And it's kind of strange because it's, it's kind of like we had to learn how to love the way that he is now as well. And it's, even though we love Blake, no matter what, no matter what, 
Um, we want what's best for him. Mm-hmm. So it's hard. And, and every time I go up there, I, you know, it's, I, I even like wear the same perfume, sing the same songs. We do flashcards. Um, I taught him, you know, a, a few things, a few phrases. And because, you know, he was two at the time, very smart, but, you know, he was only two at the time. Um, but, you know, I would talk about colors and shapes in English and in Spanish and everything. Wow. Um, and so when the last time of, he's laying in the hospital bed and I'm reading the flashcards and he smiled the entire time. I make such a big deal about it, but it was a big deal to me because I'm like, oh my gosh, he's remembering like, he knows his ABCs. So we'll sing the ABCs and he just smiles. Like when I talk about familiar things, I'll see a smile. And that is definitely, I see like sometimes he'll get upset when he feels like they're jacking with him too much, (laughs) you know, doing his trait change things like that and they have to emulate a cough because his brain doesn't tell him to do that because that part was damaged but um like familiar songs and and things like that um he he definitely he'll get happy and that smile it it just makes my day he started out um april 22nd he went to medical city dallas uh he was there a couple months they sent him to little rock in arkansas um, and then after, from there on, of course, you know, he went home for just a little bit, went yeah. straight back to Arkansas, but the place that he's at, that he went to yesterday is, um, it's a Houston rehabilitation center and he got to fly on an airplane and everything. Oh, wow. and <laughs> one of his grandparents got to go. And then, um, my, my stepson, which is his dad and in his, in his mom, um, drove up there and kind of met him so he um and I have pictures on there if you want to check them out but um he's at the rehabilitation center which honestly that to me I feel like that's the best place for him because they're going to intensively work with him and I'm, I'm hoping you know the neurons will be fired up and um we can get our Blake back so after Carmen and I talked about Blake's recovery and we talked about Blake's law I wanted to ask her how she managed to get through this whole ordeal. Not only was Blake critically injured and still evidently needs around-the-clock care, but the man responsible for his injuries had spent the entire last year doing whatever he wants. She told me that was a pretty hard pill to swallow, but that leaning on her family, her family leaning on her, and all of them leaning on their faith in God was able to get them through to this point. You have got to be able to lean on each other. You don't have to be strong all the time. It's okay to feel whatever you need to feel. Whatever you need to feel is okay. Um, but I, for us, having faith at the core is is so important. I know we couldn't get through this without our faith and definitely not without each other because, I mean, and even my, my husband and I, like maybe days that he wasn't having a very good day, I, you know, I got to be the strong one in days that I I'm having a hard time he has to be my rock I mean we we have to have each other we cannot isolate ourselves when we go through something so horrific Mm -hmm. your faith has been a a big part of this absolutely you know a lot of people a lot of people have asked me like you know how how has your relationship with God changed how how are you still feeling the same way the thing to me is my God loves Blake even more than I do. 
Wow. And I even tell Blake, God knows how many hairs are on your head. This was not God's will. This was not a part of his plan for Blake. Not at all. You know, when people come in and ruin it, <laughs> when they make bad choices, um, people can be very evil. But my my relationship with God will not be altered, will not, will not, <laughs> it will not change because I know, I know where I'm going. I know one day um, Blake and I will be there together. <laughs> um, hopefully a very, very, very long time from now. <laughs> um, but I, you know, I, I know that God, that God loves us both very much. And I know that, I mean, he said the joy of the Lord is my strength. So that's kind of what I have to pull from. That's the only reason I have joy is him at all. Because if I did not have God, I, there's no way I could, get through this I mean there's really not but I would I would really like to say thank you so much for for covering Blake's story um I feel like the more people that know the more people that can help us pray because he has a very very long way to go um so we definitely need prayers for him and 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 to be honest it's if if somebody could hear this story and just know just you know, be very, very careful, be very, very careful. Always. I would, I would never, ever want anything like this to happen to another child ever. Now it's a matter of supporting Blake with whatever he needs, as well as supporting each other through the next phase of this case. Now that Charles Brooks Jr. is incarcerated and awaiting trial, I hope it's only a matter of time before he is appropriately tried and convicted for what he did to Blake Sampson. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Crimopedia podcast, and thank you so, so much to Carmen Sampson for letting me interview her so we can all get an inside look as to what we can do as active true crime content consumers, remember we are active consumers, to help actually make some serious change. Please, if you have a spare 10 seconds, go sign Blake's Law Petition on gopetition.com. Again, I will be leaving the links readily available so you can find them. You can also like Carmen and her family's Facebook page. It's called Justice for Blake. And please, please send some love and support to this family while they navigate this time. I know they've already been through so much in the last year, and now that Charles is incarcerated and is likely going to be charged and convicted, this whole court case is going to take another huge emotional toll. Thanks again for listening to another episode of the Crimopedia podcast. If you have a case suggestion, you can reach out to me on Instagram at crimopediapod, or I have a case suggestion forum on my website at crimopediapod.ca. I loved being able to work with a family member directly on this episode, so if you or someone you know wants to reach out to me, I encourage you to do so. This is what I'm here for. That's all from me, everybody. Thank you again, and I'll talk to you soon. Mm-hmm.